Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. So, I preached not too long ago, and I told, told you guys then, you know, this was back in June, I think it was, that I'm not a preacher, <laughs> but I'm called to preach but I'm not a preacher. So about two weeks ago, we had an elders meeting, and John said, hey, I'm going to be out of town, and I need somebody to step up, step in. And he looks at me, and I'm like, man, look, I got a lot of stuff that week. Like, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be going to Missouri, getting my parents, which are here today, I've got a lot on my plate, and I said, no, I can't do it. So <laughs> there was only Danny Kidd and, and Kelly was there too, but that's all they needed to, because they didn't want to do it either. <laughs> that's all they needed to just turn to me and it's like, Lauren, you got two weeks. That's what Kelly said, you got two weeks. To me, that's springing it on me. And you know, Danny was like, yeah, look, look, listen, you, you know, you could do it. They, they used the, the message I had last time on encouragement against me. <laughs> Again, second time, I'm going to quit preaching that because it's being used against me. So, anyways, but John said something. He said, think about it. First off, he said, when I told him I was bringing my parents back, he said, perfect. I'm like, what? So think about that. You, you'll have all your family under one roof on a Sunday morning with your parents there preaching. I'm like, oh, Pastor John. So I said, the normal thing a Christian says that when they don't want to do something, well, I'll pray about it. <laughs> so I prayed about it. And that night, this is that night, and my, my wife can testify to this because when I go to sleep, I'm out. Like, she gets so frustrated because I can lay down and I'm gone like that. But the Lord woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, and I have this word that keeps going through my mind, and it's generations. I'm like, oh. so I get up. I go to my new favorite spot on my new great big huge island in my kitchen. I sit there, and I, and I study for two hours at 4 o'clock before I go back to bed on generations. Specifically, he gave me a word of generational gap. Generational gaps or gap. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you trying to what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? So Brian, pull up that first definition. So I looked up you look up the word, the definition gap. Okay, what okay Lord, what are you trying to say? Gap. So the first definition of gap is to act of a delaying, the act of delaying or interrupting a, the continuality. It's a gap. Something that interrupts, that delays. One definition. Second definition, the difference between two opinions, two views, 
are two situations. But yeah, and I'm not, I'm not modeling this after that this particular thing gap, but it's what the Lord put in my heart, so I felt like I need to share it for somebody. So the third generation, our third third definition, a narrow opening, what Pastor John has, the gap. I had to throw that in there. He's watching. Sorry, Pastor John. He said one time, I'll never forget this, he said one time he was talking about people with gap, and he said, I think Jesus got a gap. And I yelled from the audience, I said, no, Jesus is perfect. So <laughs> he's never preached about gap again. So, so um, a couple days went by, and I still hadn't told him yes. And I was at David Griffin's funeral, and that was, if y'all know, know Bill Griffin, he sits up there in the balcony. Hi, Bill. Wave at everybody, Bill. It was his father passed away, and it was said at the funeral. I don't know who said it. I don't remember if it was Bill or John or something, but it was, it was said at the funeral about generations and how that mantle of generations is passed from one generation to another generation to another generation it just hit me I mean it hit me hard and <clears throat> Bill lost his father-in-law four months ago and now your dad just weeks ago and that's a generation that now Bill is the elder and that mantle is on him. And I know someday I'll be there too. And it was, it's something that you have to think about because um, it's, it's a lot that can weigh on you. You know, you're now the elder of the family. And so, let me get back to that. So if you had to, if you had to message this anyway, I would put, it's a gener this is a generational promise, this message is a generational promise for a generational purpose. And so, <clears throat> I'm going to kind of go back a little bit on what John preached last week about the great commitment to the great commandment. Y'all remember that? I hope you have your little notes on there or you studied them or something, but it's great commitment to the great commandment. So we're gonna we're gonna be in uh, Deuteronomy six and turn there. You can start turning there. Deuteronomy six. And y'all got you guys know the great commandment. And Jesus spoke of this in Matthew. He he was being confronted by the Jewish leaders. He was saying, What is Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And so he quotes Deuteronomy 6. He quotes that. You know, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus quotes this. Okay? So when I, I met with John, after I told him, yeah, okay, I'll do it. You know, but you got to coach me. you got to help me. You know, it's so natural for him. And it, it just... It's natural for him. For me, it's not natural to be up here. So 
he brought up something, you know, the great commandment, the commitment to the great commandment is what fuels the great commission. Think about that. If you go, great, what is the great commission? Anybody go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize. If you don't have the great commandment, if you don't know what it's about, if you don't have it working in your life, if you don't, if you don't really get a good grasp of that, how effective are you going to be with the great commission? You could probably preach, but if, it, if you don't live it, people are going to see right through that. So the great commandment, you know, the Shema is what the Jewish nation called it, the Shema, was super important. It was like probably the most important verse in the Old Testament to them, the Shema. And it, it's, it's the, what John called it, the X factor. It's the X factor, and I would agree with that. That's the X factor of how effective you're going to be with your great commission, your calling, your family, your influence, people around you at work. So, um, so we're going to read. Deuteronomy 6, we're going to start in 1, and we're going to read to 9. So I'll read, you guys follow along with me. Now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. This is Moses talking to the remnant of the children of Israel not the ones that were out of Egypt. All of them are gone, all but two. So this is the remnant that was left, the people that were born in the desert, the, the people that were going to be possessing the promised land. And what, what he's talking about, he, he recited the Ten Commandments for him earlier for the second time, so this is what he's kind of saying. This is the commandments he's talking about. Uh, two, that we may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson. Generational. All the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Verse 3. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as, as the God, Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing of milk and honey. So here's a verse 4 where it starts the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when they sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, uh, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall be 
at the frontlets between your eyes, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. Okay, that's a lot. So hold your place there because we're going to come back to it. So mark that in your Bible. Put something there. We're going to come back to it. But turn to Romans 1. Hard right to Romans. Everybody okay? Because you guys are awful quiet. It makes me nervous. Okay. Okay. You got it? You got it? Say got it. Okay. Uh, we're going to start in verse 16. Verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also the Greek. Now the Greek means Gentile, means everybody. If you're not a Jew, you're, you're a Gentile, you're everybody else. For in it, what's the it? Gospel of Christ. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So now turn to Hebrews 11, a little bit to the right, some more. So, <clears throat> well, I'll hang on. Underline, it, it, I mean, if you, the faith to faith is what I want to really, I should have told you to underline that, faith to faith. Your, your Bible may say something a little different, but it's faith to faith. So everybody got Hebrews 11? Got it? Okay. And I'm, I'm, get, I'm throwing out verses here to try to build up something. So just bear with me. Be patient with me. Now faith, which we're starting in 1, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things seen, not seen. Before we go to two, I'm going to elaborate on that. So if you're, if, if you're faith to faith, and that's transferable, how do you transfer something that is hoped for and not seen? How do you do that? It's easy to give my parents to give me inheritance, give me rings, give me jewelry, give, give me things. How do, you, how do you transfer your faith from one generation to the next generation. We'll get there. So, Bill, this, this next verse is for you. And just a background. Uh, I'm going to try. I know I'm a big crybaby. I'm up here. Bill Griffin, I've known him for what? 25 years? If there was a second father to my children, it would be him. No doubt. He's one of my best friends. So here we go. Bill, this is for you. For by the elders obtained a good testimony. That's what verse says. 2 says, for by it, faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. As long as I've known Bill, he's never wavered. 
He's the same Bill Griffin I knew 25 years ago. He's the same. He's never wavered. I hope that encourages you. I need a tissue box. I need my tissue box right here. God. The older I get, the more I cry. Hebrews 11. So we're not. We're going to go down a little bit further. This is the faith chapter. It would it would do you good to read this whole chapter. It's a faith chapter. But we're gonna we're gonna focus on Abram. Verse eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Talk about faith. God said, get out of your country, leave your mom and dad, leave everything, go here. <laughs> okay. By faith he dwelt in the land promised at, uh, land of promise as in a foreign country. So he was definitely a foreigner in a foreign country and didn't know what to do. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. That was his son and grandson. Okay, y'all got this? Okay, here's the punchline. The heirs with him of the same promise. What promise? What promise did they have? The promise was to Abraham. What promise did they have? Faith to faith. I'm glad you asked what promise. Because Hebrews 11, 11. So now we're just a little bit further down. Drop down to 11. By faith, Sarah, his wife, herself also received strength to, con to conceive seed and bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him, the Lord, faithful who had, who had promised. So the Lord promised them a son. Even though, how old were they? The 90s? They were old. And they doubted. She doubted. But then she came back and said, okay, Lord, I believe you. So they're old. The Lord promises them a son. And he promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. When he's 90-something. So if, you're, if you don't have children and you're in your 40s, hey, there's hope. Maybe you'll have them in 90. And by the way, I'm going to put a little side note in here. It takes two. When you're married, what's the Lord say? Husband and wife, you're married in holy matrimony, what's he call you? One flesh. One flesh. Here's a little food for thought. Y'all know the book of Job, everything that happened to Job, the terrible stuff that happened to Job, killed his family, killed his livestock, killed everything. Why didn't he kill his wife? Huh? one flesh Lord said you can't kill him do anything you want to him don't kill him meant her too now she was not very encouraging to him she told him to curse God and die I would say Lord why didn't you take her <laughs> sorry honey no disrespect you haven't told me to curse God and die anyway food for thought didn't kill her. 
Uh, where are we at? Oh, 12. Therefore, verse 12. You everybody there? You good? Therefore, from one man, underline that, one man, and him as good as dead. He was old, y'all. He was old. Were born as many as the stars and the skies and the multitude. Innumerable, bull, I can't even say that, as the sand which is in the shore, by the shore. So Abraham and Sarah had Isaac, their son, promised son. Isaac had Jacob, next generation. Okay, Jacob had 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel. So it took one to added another, that added a third, and in four generations, they had a nation. Four generations. Genesis 15, and you don't have to turn there, but Abraham was blessed by God, and uh, Melchizedek, and John has preached about this, and the word says, uh, Melchizedek, priest of the God most high, and, and God and John's preached this that he was the precarnated Christ. Blessed Abraham. Well, at that time it was Abram. His name was changed to Abraham. So he was blessed. How many show of hands? How many in here have been blessed by God in some way, shape, or form? Practically everybody. He was blessed by God. And the word says, Abram believed and it was credited to him for righteousness. Do you believe it? Do you believe God blessed you for a reason? Do you believe it? Okay, it was credited to Abraham as righteousness. Let's take a break. I need a break. That's a lot. So, I hope everybody's with me. I'm going to, like... Dylan, I don't think Dylan's in here. I think he's in the back. But he would say, I hope you're tracking with me. Everybody tracking with me? Everybody with me? You good? Okay, I'm trying to build a point here. God blessed one man, Abraham, Abram, that later become Abraham, because of his faith and his belief and believed God could do what he promised him through one son with Sarah. Isaac transferred his faith to Isaac, had to see the same faith. I guarantee that he's talked with him and walked with him and told him his faith. And then Isaac had a grandson, or had a son, which was a grandson to Abraham, Jacob, and a nation of faith was born. You tracking with me? Okay. That's why you see in Scripture all over the place, that where it says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob over and over and over. It's generational. Generational. God had a plan to build a nation, and he used it through generations, and it started with Abraham. Generational. Um, even, and I didn't even, I didn't even know this, John brought this scripture to my attention. 
and you don't have to turn there, but they're going to put it up on the screen. Abraham saw that Jesus was going to be in his it's his lineage. It was it was in his bloodline. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Abraham saw that. It says right in John eight six. Do you have it in here? Jesus is in. He's he's kind of debating with the with the uh, leaders of the time, the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees and stuff, and 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 they're they're saying, well, we're we're children of Abraham, you know, we're we're the chosen nation, we're you know, and, and so Jesus is is debating with him, and he says this: Your father over Abraham rejoiced to see the day and saw it and was glad. Anybody, may I have a clue how many generations that was? It tells you in your Bible. Anybody have a clue? How much? A little bit longer than that. There was 42 generations between Abraham and Jesus. You can look it up for yourself. It's in Matthew 1.17. There was 14 generations between Abraham and King David. Check my math here. 14 generations between David and the exile of Babylon and 14 generations between the exile of Babylon to Jesus. 42 generations. Abraham saw this. Just think of how God orchestrated each one of those generations and how he orchestrated that through time to Jesus. 42. A lot. So we're going to do something here. Um, oh, i got one more thing. Hang on. So God can take, he can start with one man and one woman of faith in him. He can tra transfer that. If, if, they, if your next generation will grasp on to that, he can transfer that faith to that generation. You've got you to on, grasp on to it. You've got to show that generation. And then it can lead to many generations long after we're gone. Long after we're gone. That's the issue, though. Some generations don't grasp on to that. There's the gap. I can do things my own way. I don't need God. Grandpa, I don't need God. We, we want to do it our way. There's the gap. We'll, we'll talk more about that. So... Here's what I'm going to do. What time? What time? How good is the time? Shoot, man. So, uh, Christian and Trey, can you get a couple chairs and bring them right up front here? Just right in front of here. Mom, Dad, can you? He, Dad maybe need some help. Push him up just a little bit, Christian. Up a little bit that way. Yeah. There you go. Sit there. Girlfriend. Okay. This is this is my dad. He his name is Lauren too. Actually he's Lauren one. <laughs> he's A number one. He is the A number one. Okay? And this is my mom, and this is gonna blow your mind. Her name is Lorna. <laughs> but everybody calls her Dutch. Um so, <clears throat> I, I'm, 
please, 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 please don't misunderstand what I'm doing here. It's not about us. It's about him. And what he could do through us. Please, please understand this. I'm not putting us, but it's my example to you. So, anyway, my dad's been my mentor. He's been my teacher. He's been um, he's been in construction most all my adult life, and he's passed that construction trade and love of construction to me, which is now passed to my sons. Um, he is a godly example of loving your wife the way Christ loves the church. Never wavered. I've never seen you in an argument. You may have had an argument. I've never seen it. You probably argued over me and the other boys, but I never saw it. So a love that was unconditional for her. My mother has been my spiritual rock all my life. Never wavered. Never stopped praying. And trust me, I was the angel of the group, <laughs> but I was no angel, and my brothers were worse than I was. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Don't disregard the prayers of a loving mother for their children. And if you're a mother, don't stop praying. And this will be exaggerated a little bit more as we go. So... This is my mother and father. You've been married how many years? 68, 68 years. It's a long time. I hope I get there. You don't kill me. Yeah. I've moved the pistol from her side of the bed to my side of the bed because she wakes up in the middle of the night and sees things. And she's not a very good shot. So... So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, Trey, Travis, and Christian, you come up. Stand, stand. Actually, I'm sorry. Joan, you come up. My bad. <sighs> Woo. I might have to really hide the pistol now. Okay, this is my wife, Joan. Okay. You know, we've been married 36 years, something like that. It's been glorious. It's a glorious 36 years. But we're not perfect. We've had our ups and downs. We've, we've, had, we've had difficulties. But because of a praying mother and a father that loved her unconditionally, don't give up. Don't give up. Jesus never promised it would be a smooth road. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to experience things in this Christian walk. Don't give up. He can make it right if you trust him. So we had three boys, Trey, Travis, and Christian. You come up here. Y'all stand up on the just this first ledge here. You may have to get to the side or something. He's Lauren the third. 
we call him Trey, and we actually have Lauren the fourth back there. He's Wren. We call him Wren. <laughs> He'll be up here shortly. So, again, <clears throat> they're not perfect, but we tried to raise them to show what the Lord has done between us and how we trust the Lord in everything we do. We don't, we're not perfect, are we? Are we perfect? Mm, yeah. Yeah. They actually, they have a company, um, Herod, and they called it, of all things, Heritage Homes. Because of him? And I actually go to work for them sometimes. <laughs> it's difficult sometimes because I'm I want to be the boss, you know. I'm like, no, that's stupid, you know. But I don't. I hold my tongue. Sometimes <laughs> I'm working on that. Okay. Yeah. Christian is a banker. My mother was in banking for. How many years? 25 more? Probably 30 years. She was a banker. He's a banker. So she's very proud of him. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's the baby, so he's always, they're always like, yeah, we favor the baby. Hey, I was a baby. And it's pretty good. It's a pretty good life. <laughs> it's a pretty good life, yeah. <laughs> So, um, Rocco, can you go get, huh? Oh, she should be coming? Okay. So, they have, they got married. Here she comes. Perfect timing. Okay, so Lindy, Amy, Rachel. Rachel's serving in the back, so we had to kind of pull her out of the back in there. So, by the way, most all of them are serving here at this church. Amen to that. Yes. So, you want the mic, Amy? Come on. You do so well, though. Um, again, I'm going to go back to never underestimate the power of a praying mother. She has prayed for each one of these. I'm telling you, I saw it. Y'all didn't. She did very good. She prayed for the wives of her sons. Yeah. This one we've known for since you were, what, 10 or 8, eight maybe, long time. Yeah. She was on the list, and Joan was like, I don't care which one y'all marry her, but somebody going to marry her. <laughs> Travis married her. <laughs> Congratulations. You get the prize. <laughs> she is a prize. They're all a prize. Listen, that paper that they signed on their wedding day, don't make them my daughter. They are my daughter in life. They're not my daughter-in-law. They are my daughter in life. I love them as much. Matter of fact, I love them more than my kids. <laughs> Y'all get divorced. I'm going with you. Yeah. 
kidding. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so that's one, two, three generations. Okay. Y'all come up. Everybody come up. Come on. Up on top. Come on, Link. Y'all get up on top. Do not touch the equipment. You will be grounded for life. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, we can kind of see them. I have seven grandchildren. I love them to death. They are the reward for having children. <laughs> if I could have skipped right to the grandchildren, whoo, I did that in a heartbeat. So I have seven grandchildren. I have two that are taller than me that are grafted in that don't have my last name. They're a blended family. Doesn't matter. Rocco, you're still my son. Slade, you're still my son. I love them just like they were my own. Now that they're taller than me, I quit wrestling with them. <laughs> and I'm older. So here's one, two, three. I mean, sorry. One, two, three, four generations. Four generations. Not even close to 42 generations. And I had three brothers. This is times four. Get it? Can you see a big picture here? I have three brothers that have just as many. How many grandkids you got? How many? I don't even know how many grand. How many grandkids you got, Mom? Well, man, twenty-seven great grandchildren. Four generations because of one, get it, because of one, faith, commitment, love, patience, my brothers were, I was an angel, but patience, <laughs> because of one, it affected a generation, to the next generation, to the next generation, okay, you guys can be excused. I know y'all are like, I hope you don't call me. I hope you don't call me. Hey, Dad. Got him. Well, I made that through there. I wasn't too bad. Whew. I'm about to close here, y'all. Uh, so turn back to Deuteronomy 6 where I told you to hold your spot. 10.48. Am I doing okay on time, Christina, or do I need to speed it up? Okay. I got a little bit more. But I'll try to be fast. You want a blueprint? You want a blueprint that will affect the next generation? It's right in Deuteronomy. The Great Commandment. Pull up four through nine, Ryan, if you don't mind. Okay, first one, you got to know who your God is. He is one 
He is the only. He's the El Shaddai. He's the Jehovah Jireh. He was. He is the King of Kings and the and the Lord of Lords. He is one. Now, why would Moses tell the children of Israel this right off the bat? They were about to go into a land that had all the locals had many gods. They had a god for everything. And he's he's telling them, don't waver. You have one God, don't waver. Very important. Second, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. It's a personal relationship. Okay? First off, you gotta hear. He starts out with hear. You gotta hear, you gotta know him, you gotta know his voice. You gotta know what he tells you to stay or go or sit down, or shut up. You've got to know him. Third, and these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. It's a heart condition. It's not a mind condition. It's not a knowing condition. It's a heart condition. You've got to have him in your heart. And you're going to want to write this down, because I thought it was good. I'm not boasting on me. Again, I'm not boasting on my family. I'm not boasting on me or what I did. It's what he did through us. You want to write this down. What's on your heart will be in your home. That's going to hit. That's going to make some people a little squirmy. If Pastor John, Pastor Sarah said, hey, we're coming over right now. We want to pray with you. I guarantee a lot of y'all would be scrambling to take down pictures, hide bottles, hide stuff before they got to your house. I ain't saying that to condemn anybody. I'm just saying what's on your heart is in should be in your home. Okay? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. You've heard that. The hands do, the mouth speak, the places you go. Out of your heart, out of the abundance of your heart, what's in your heart? God's commandments, his promises and precepts, we live, we must live in the core of our being. The core of our being. The next generation should see that evident in our lives. Um, Linda Moore, you all know Alvin Linda Moore, precious couple. Linda did a, a devotion one time back in Dream Team, and, and it was just about being. Being. Just, I just want to be who God made me to be. I just want to be. I'm being. And it was so good. And I promise you, they live it out. I've been in their house. They live it out. Not a, it's not a head condition. It's a heart condition. Number four, you shall teach it, teach them diligently to your children. Now, you can insert, if you don't have children, you can insert others. You can insert other gen- next generation. You can insert some things there if you don't have kids, okay? If you got kids, this is a formal, what Moses was saying here was a formal teaching of the word. Formal teaching. 
Have them in church. Have them around people that's going to pour into them. I'm not a believer in a village. You need a village to raise a, a kids or a family. I, I don't believe in that. There's a lot of people in my village that I don't want raising my kids. But I'll take Bill Griffin. Watch who you hang around. Watch who your kids hang around. It's a formal, planned, prepared strategy for teaching God's word to the next generation. Number five. These are six points. I should have said that earlier, that just six points, so I'm not going to be long. All right, he's already got them up there. Kudos to Ryan. Uh, talk to them when, and I just left it open. That's an informal teaching. When you sit down, when you lie, when you walk, when you're just having supper, when you're at family reunions, teach them informally all the time the goodness of God. All the time. Never stop. Okay. Verse nine, 8 and 9 I kind of combined together as point 6. You shall bind them as a sign on your heart. I mean your hand. Stop right there. Everything you do, do it unto the Lord. I work with my hands. You know, carpenter, work with my hands. <laughs> everything I touch, everything I do, I need to do. That's why I think he said, put it, a sign on your hand. Everything my hand touches, everything that I build, everything that I, I touch my family. I touch a piece of wood. I touch everything your hand touches, do it unto the Lord. That's a big responsibility. We touch a lot. If you have two hands, you touch a lot. Um, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. This is where you put your focus, what you should give your attention to right in front of you. Where do you turn your attention to? What do you turn your attention to? What do you focus on? Work? You focus on, is um, is Nick in here? I don't think Nick's in here. Nicky's not in here, is he? No. Nick, y'all know Nick. Um, what's his last name? Big, tall, black guy, big muscles. Donaldson. You're, anyway. <laughs> he was at the river, at the last river baptism, and his son came up at the end and wanted to give his life to the Lord and wanted to be baptized. Precious moment, precious moment. And Nick was focused on getting family members there at that moment, and he was frustrated at that. And I looked at him, I said, Nick, that's not your focus. Right here's your focus. Right here is your focus. Focus on that. Don't worry about the rest of it. Focus on that. Right in front of you. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and of your gates. Now, this, this characterizes the activities in your house and your business. The gates back then was where they did business. So the activities of your house, what goes on in your house, 
what movies do you watch, what stuff that you get on the internet, all that kind of activities that you do in your house. And if you're a business owner, the activities in your business. If you're an employee, you may say, well, my company don't want me to worship God here. Okay. Maybe go an hour early, get another coworker that's a believer. Go an hour early and just pray. If they won't let you do it inside, do it outside. If they don't let you do it outside, do it in your car. If they don't let you do it there, meet somewhere else. What's your activities at work? How do you how do you honor God? How do you worship God? How do you how do you display your faith to the next generation at work and at home in your activities? How do you do that? So the worship team, come on up. We're 11 o'clock. Is that good? Man, I thought I was going to be on the... I probably ought to, like, go really short or really long, and he won't ask me to preach anymore. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. So worship team, come on. Casey's here. So... Here's where, the, here's where the gap comes in a little bit. You might say, well, Brother Lauren, Brolo for sure, short, and I shouldn't even be saying this. I wish, I don't know why I'm saying this, but when I went to church camp, they wouldn't call me Brolo, uh, Brother Lauren, they'd call me Brolo. And it has stuck. Holly still calls me Brolo. A lot of people around here call me Brolo. It's okay, I guess. But they said, well, Brolo, how do, you know, I don't even... I'm 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 a believer in Christ. I've been saved, but I ha- I can't even see anybody in my generation, past generation, that's been a Christian, that's walked out, that's been righteous, that's that's been, um, that's given that faith to faith to faith to faith thing. I can't even see that. My gap is so large; it's like the Grand Canyon. I can't even see a righteous person in my past. You may be that way. Don't mean there's not hope. Started with one. Only took one. One man, totally sold out to God, trusting in the promises he gave him to start a generation, to start a nation, to build a nation. God built a nation out of that. Only took one man. And a woman, and he was old. He was old. So if you're not, anybody in the 90s here? Okay, y'all qualify. Everybody qualifies in here. God took one man, and he added a son, addition. Added a promise he gave him. Abraham, I'll give you a son. I know you're old. I know Sarah's old. I'll give you a son. He added Isaac. Then Isaac added, addition, Jacob. Jacob multiplied big time. See how that works? All the way to the Savior of the world. And it still holds true today. Nothing's changed. Our God does not change. He is the same today. Yesterday, today, and forever. 
His principle does not change. So there's, even if you don't have a generational, a spiritual generational past, doesn't mean nothing. You may want to come up and get prayed for. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you're here and you say, I don't know that I've really accepted Christ in my life, you need to come up and get paid, prayed for. There's going to be people. Can the altar team come on up? And I would really like, um, Joan, you come up because I'm going to come down there. Travis and Amy, you come up. Lindy and Trey, will you all come up, please? Because there's going to be people that's going to want to pray. Have you pray for them. I hope you all got something out of this. I, I'm, I don't know. to leave you with this promise that God spoke over you. If, you. if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've accepted him as your savior, you are say, I'm a Christian. Here's what God says about you. First Peter, well, first Peter 2, 9. But you, everybody say, but you are a chosen generation. You know, God chose you chose him. He chose you. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. Anybody in here been called out of darkness? Into his marvelous light. There's hope. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.